the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time for the Steak for Breakfast Podcast. It's Friday, January 19th, 2024, and this is the Steak for Breakfast Podcast, episode 318 and 319. Make sure you subscribe to the show. It's available across every downloadable podcasting platform. Find us on Apple, Spotify, iHeart, and Google Podcasts. Check out the Steak for Breakfast link tree to take the show's Instagram, our latest Substack, and verified accounts on Twitter, Getter, and True Social. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the first of our two big Friday editions of the show today. Amro, Noah's here. Yo. We've got a great slate of guests coming in. We'll be sitting down for the first time with Congressman Andy Harris and joined by one of our favorites, Florida Representative Corey Mills. Jeff Clark from the Center for Renewing America will be here. And congressional candidate Darren Bailey will be making his Steak for Breakfast debut. Lots of breaking news. Donald Trump seems to be surging in New Hampshire. We'll bring you the latest from there. The World Economic Forum meets in Davos for their annual public plot for our demise. Mm. We'll check in on the uh, Legion of Doom over in Europe as well. We got a new CR yesterday. But the budget and border battle continues to rage on. We'll bring you the latest from Capitol Hill. And we'll also check in with the Biden White House. But before we get to any of our interviews, let's jump straight into these headlines and change the way you consume your news. Smokey, this is not NOM. This is bowling. There are rules. Today, Junior, America! Steak. For breakfast! So stand by! All right, everybody. Welcome to the Steak for Breakfast podcast. I'm Ron. Noah's here as well. Yo. If you're a first-time listener, welcome to the show. If you're a long-time listener, welcome back to America's fastest-growing political podcast. We're getting things started on the first of two all-new editions of the show today, and we're going to be jumping right into the 2024 primary race. Donald Trump off his big Iowa caucus victory last week. Spent some time between the state of New Hampshire and New York City throughout the course of this. Obviously, we all know he was in court. We're going to touch on that in a little bit. But he did do a couple speaking events out in the Granite State. No, I know we we all see the Trump highlights everywhere, whether it's on the news. I mean, he, he jumped on boomer sweats last night. I thought it was a very uh, pointed message, but generic. So I didn't pull anything from that. I pulled some of the better bangers from uh, the two talking events he did this week while campaigning in New Hampshire. But it, the president seems, albeit he's done a lot of travel, and I know firsthand because one of our great friends of the show has been helping out with the Trump rapid response team this week. Who's that? Oh, he's the Cigar King Oh, of Long Island. Really? Maybe you've heard of him. Nice. So he's been driving... Adam? Daddy T and... <laughs> Margo and Natalie and Lynn and Chris, Mr. Stephen Chong, Jason Miller, everyone around. Not only that, but he's been getting all the Chick-fil-A and McDonald's he can eat. Ooh, that's worth it just by itself, right? I found out what the big guy's Chick-fil-A order is. What is it? Can't tell you. It's top secret information. Oh, that's true. Yeah, they could try to poison his Chick-fil-A. That's, we can only <laughs> talk about it in a skiff, but I'm only going to be ordering that. From here on out, I'll make sure it's the most America first meal plus add-ons that you can get here. Mm. DM me if you want the order. But uh, no, it, it, it was a pain in the ass. And the only reason Donald Trump was doing so much traveling is because he was, of course, drug in and out of court this week having to do with his E. Jean Carroll case. We all know her as the vagina lady. And there was some... Very heated moments in the courtroom. Donald Trump was almost mm, thrown out. Don't use heated and vagina in the same sentence, please. Alina Haba accused 
Eugene Carroll of deleting evidence while under subpoena. That seems reasonable. Which is a crime. The judge said, erase it all from the record. Jury completely ignore it. Just like the evidence. Donald Trump also asked for court to be recessed for a day so he could attend the funeral. Not of some distant, oh. obscure cousin or relative that he hasn't seen in ever. Literally, his mother-in-law who lived with them and over the course of his political career has essentially helped in raising Barron. Yeah. Awful. They, they said no, I bet. And for all the scumbags that have been out there hitting Donald Trump on Where's Melania outside of events at Mar-a-Lago over the course of the last six months to a year. She's got shit going on. Her mom's cancer accelerated and she was in and out of the hospital a lot in the hospital for almost the entirety of the last few months that she was alive before she passed recently. It's just disgusting rhetoric. So try to ignore it when it's out there. Everybody from Team DeSantis yesterday was was putting out the same posts. Like the the email went out in the morning that said, what you need to do is put Donald Trump's location as the basement, Nikki Haley's location as the basement, and Ron DeSantis is out on the campaign trail. Donald Trump was literally putting his mother-in-law into the ground yesterday. So that's kind of where we're at on the campaign in regards to uh, some of the competition or lack thereof. But we're going to jump right into some of Donald Trump's speaking points right here. Here's him. Not talking about what was going on on social media, but unifying the party and getting everybody behind him to make one big ticket to stop Joe Biden. Let's hear it. And it's time for the Republican Party, frankly, to come together and to unify. We have to unify and focus all of our resources and energy and effort on defeating crooked Joe Biden, the worst president in the history of our country. And the radical left Democrats this November. We have to do it with your vote six days from now. Six days. Here we're, it's starting, right? Those two great places, they got it going. We just left Iowa. Now we're going to soon be leaving New Hampshire with a big, vic- I think, a big victory, right? <laughs> Based on the polls that just came out 20 minutes ago, it's going to be a big victory. I can tell you that. Then, And we'll get to those polls in a little bit. You know, this this was a very loose, I don't think there was much teleprompter involved. Donald Trump kind of shot from the hip. And, and he was actually funny. You're going to hear. He almost called the DeSantis campaign being out of the race inadvertently. And when you hear the clip and how he reacted to it and laughed, <laughs> I really think our listenership, if you miss it this week, is going to enjoy it. You know, he wouldn't take too much time to talk about coming together before he talked about ripping apart Joe Biden and the radical left Democrats. He laid out Joe Biden's long list laundry list of horribleness that's that we've incurred as a nation since Joe Biden has become president. Yeah, that was day one. That was the first thing. Everything from the Afghan withdrawal to the bullshit indictments. Let's hear it. I don't think they will. I don't see how they can. How can you win when you have open borders, when you have high interest rates, when you have you can't get a house anymore, you can't buy a house, your education stinks, everything's woke. That's all they talk about. They go after their <laughs> Political opponents with the DOJ and the FBI, that's me, they go after me. <laughs> I got so many court cases. I've been indicted more than Alphonse Capone. You know who Alphonse? <laughs> Greatest gangster of all time. He was the number one of all time. Scarface. Did anybody ever hear? He's a lovely man. If he had dinner, if he took you out to dinner, had dinner with you, and he didn't like the tone of your voice, you were killed, you were guaranteed. I got indicted more than he did, sir. But they're bullshit indictments, I'll tell you. They're Biden. You know what I call them? I call them, they're Biden indictments. No, they've weaponized the DOJ. They bullshit go after Biden. them. No, it's the truth. 
And, uh, you know, he makes some excellent points there. It, it wouldn't just start and end with Joe Biden, though. So, no, we've covered this a little bit for the last couple of weeks. You're up to date on what, what happened with current Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin. Yeah, he went MIA when his position is probably the most important one in the, the entire cabinet, I would assume. Right, outside of the President of the United States, of course. But we all know who the President is, air quoting. Well, you know, we've kind of we've seen that given who's in the, the office of the president right now, maybe it's not that important of a spot because it seems like everybody else is doing the job for him. Unless you actually have a president who knows what he's doing. Well, that's what you And is actually driving the fucking bus. You know, and, and some of the big things that he wanted to hit Lloyd Austin on, I mean, obviously he went in for a voluntary medical procedure. We don't know what it is, but long story short, after we find out that he was off the grid essentially and not telling anyone up to and including the White House for anywhere between three to five days what his situation was. Do we know what elective surgery it was? No, but now it's been revealed that he has prostate cancer. Okay, so maybe not a surgery where he went under. Maybe he was still awake and then they had complications and most likely had to put him under, right? But wouldn't you have your backup guy on standby just in case? Yeah, she was. Instead of on vacation in Port... Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico. Maybe you've heard of it. <laughs> he hit Lloyd Austin, and he should. You know, he's gone after Merrick Garland. Obviously, he doesn't often reference my name, Alejandro Mayorkas, but he talks about the border more than any of the candidates out there. Man, Zelensky's phone calls must have been going straight to voicemail. Well, don't worry. We'll get to him in our second edition of the show today. Meh. Let's hear President Trump smash Lloyd Austin. So they came in. They're coming in from Africa. They're coming in from Asia. They're coming from all over the Middle East. They're coming from Yemen. Yesterday, they caught four people. They call them Yemenis. That's the country we're bombing right now. And the one in charge of the bombing is sitting in a hospital with a laptop on his stomach, like a child would play war games, right, with a laptop. And he was missing in action for five days. He was the Secretary of Defense. He was missing in action for five days. One thing I'll say about Biden, he's very loyal. He never fires anybody. It's a good point. Yeah. I sort of had the opposite. I am more loyal than him, but I was the opposite. I used to fire a lot of people because they, if they didn't do a job, they got fired. And it sort of gave them an incentive. But he never fires anybody. When you have Afghanistan and you don't fire one person, not one general. I got rid of Comey. I fired Comey because he was no good. He was terrible at the FBI. And it was not an easy firing either. But if we didn't do that, we probably wouldn't be standing here talking to you right now because they had bad they had bad things in mind. They had bad, bad things in mind. But this guy never fires anybody, no matter how bad they are. Look at our look at what's happening with our airports and the, it's a disaster. And boot edge edge, you know boot edge edge? You know, years ago I said, How do you pronounce that damn name? And they said, Boot edge edge. The word edge edge. That's the way it's pronounced, booted edge. He ain't doing too good a job. Those airports are bad. If people get a plane that's on time, it's like a miracle, right? It's like, did you know that I actually got out two weeks ago? I got on time. But these planes are sometimes two days late. It's uh, the worst it's ever been. There's never been anything like it. And he's supposed to be one of the hot candidates for president. I don't think that's going to work out. You know, and and really a candidate? Well, he, he was... Before everything went to shit, there was the East Palestine, Ohio incident. Mm-hmm. There was all of the train derailments. You know, and when you talk about how he pronounces Mayor Pete's name. Boot edge edge. It's not really the way you say it. No. You want to know a fun fact? 
I, I went to college with one of Mayor Pete's cousins. Yeah. It's Buddha Judge. Yeah, Buddha Judge. Yeah, not Boot Edge Edge. Boot, booty Juice. <laughs> yeah. You, you want to know what the descent is? Maltese. They're from Malta. That's where that name comes from. Mm. But he was a skin-wearing, basement-dweller kind of a guy. He was just on the floor of my dorm, and uh, he was creepy. Mm. Gave me the same kind of vibes as uh, Max Nordeau does on Twitter, like the son from the neighbors of the Burbs. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's weird. Yeah. So, you know, it was, uh, like I said, very lighthearted. There was a lot of jokes going on during the course of these speaking events, and we're going to let you guys get it out of your system. Because out of the one of two events that Donald Trump did in New Hampshire already this week, remember, he's got a couple more coming up this weekend. One for sure on Saturday, rain or shine. Vivek joined him on the campaign trail after 48 hours before announcing that he was suspending his presidential campaign and endorsing Donald Trump to be president. Listen, we already talked about the firestorm that happened on social media. And I want to remind all of our listeners that are tuning in today, social media is not real life. It's not? Sure isn't. Vivek Ramaswamy is not going to be the vice president of the United States with Donald Trump. Me and Noah have talked about just the aesthetics alone of the presentation of Trump Vivek, Trump Ramaswamy. You'll hear in a second, he can't even pronounce his name right all the way yet. And it's one of those things where back in 2015, we had a lot of people that ran around and did a lot of great work after they all tried to bite each other's head off in the Republican primary. And... Vivek Ramaswamy can meet those needs. Whether or not he gets a job in the administration moving forward, that's not up to me. It's up to Donald Trump, obviously. He'd be a good press secretary. He'd be a good something, I think. But I just want to remind everybody, and it's so easy. You want to know what is real on social media? The receipts. Vivek Ramaswamy ran a very public campaign on one end of it where he would go on Fox News and Newsmax. And when his events were heavily attended by the media, stump on Donald Trump being the greatest president of his generation, blah, blah, blah. He did it at the debates a lot too. But then there's like, you know, the t-shirt thing is one thing, but like the having people come up to him at events being like, I'm the only one that could really save him. And the only way that I could save him is if you vote for me to be president, because I'll pardon him. I'm Obi-Wan Kenobi. I don't like people talking about, yeah, talking out of both sides of their mouths. And, and, you know, those t-shirts were cringe. And, and I know I mentioned it before, but that one where he's like, he's got his hand on the lady's shoulder. Yeah. I'm the only one who can save Trump. And I tell you what, here's the deal. Donald Trump knows more of what's going on than just about anybody on his campaign. That's number one. Number two, and I'm sure all of our listenership who are real MAGA and have followed Donald Trump since he started, even going all the way back to his TV days, his business deal, Donald Trump never forgets, ever. It's like an elephant. When he nailed that French reporter for asking him about this out of the other thing, and he like said, your president sucks, and so does the unemployment in your country. When he went up to Michigan and got the tour of the auto plant, and, and you know she's like, oh, yeah, we're so happy to have you here. And Donald Trump's like, are you sure? Because you were very nasty to me when I ran for president. Mm. And then she awkwardly had to walk him around and go meet all the union people when he was president in one of the auto manufacturing plants up in Michigan. The guy doesn't forget, Mm-mm. and he takes stuff very personally. And the one thing that Donald Trump... I feel like he's got one of those little steno books and he just like writes names down like wouldn't this person it. was a dick to me. I wouldn't doubt it. But, you know, it's one of those things where he does not forget and loyalty means everything. So it's not like the people to kill list. It's yeah. different, but you know, much different. He might have one of those too. You never Don't know. say that. That's still open court right now. We're not ordering <laughs> SEAL Team 6 to do anything to anybody. Neither is Donald Trump. 
We uh, haven't gotten to the court cases yet, but we are going to hear Donald Trump and Vivek on stage for the first time since the endorsement. Let's check it out. So he has a big, beautiful, bright future ahead. Vivek Ramaswamy. Come on up, Vivek. Vivek Swamorami. Ramabama. Let's do this, guys. It's good to see you. It's good to be back to New Hampshire. We miss you guys. We're going to make this happen, and you guys know this well. You know this man. You know why we're here. Patriots across the state. We are in the middle of a war in this country. That's what this is. It's not a war between black and white. It's not between Democrat and Republican, even in a deeper sense. It's between the permanent state and the everyday citizen. Between those of us who love the United States of America and a fringe minority who hates this country and what we stand for. And right now we need a commander-in-chief who will lead us to victory in this war. That's what we need in this country. You got to know you're in a war to win one. You can't win one if you're asleep at the switch, have your head stuck in the sand like most Republicans. And I think that's going to require somebody who isn't bought and paid for, a businessman, not a politician. Anybody heard of that? And that's why I was in this race, but I'll tell you, the people of Iowa spoke loud and clear last night, and I'm a big believer that we, the people, create a government that is accountable to us, not the other way around. That we, the people, choose who leads this country. And so we heard, we, the people, last night, and that is why last evening I met my friend here, we met in person, and I told him that I would endorse Donald J. Trump, President of the United States, and do everything in my power to lead us to victory in this war. It is a 1776 moment right now. Mm. Don't hate it. They're having some audio issues over there. Yeah. Or maybe that was your clip. I don't know. No, it was, it was, uh, I mean, you could hear it bounce back and forth with some feedback. Um, about those amazon.com mic cables. Yeah. I mean, they're picking up and putting down and plus the weather's bad as well. However, I think Trump's probably going to tell them when they do their, dual events to tone it down a little bit. <laughs> yeah, you think? Here's another fun fact, Noah. I had my first Vivek Ramaswamy repost on X yesterday. He reposted you? No, I reposted him. Oh. Because nothing he's ever said or done has really resonated with me. Mm-hmm. We've heard this before. What'd you say? Or what did he say? PBD went into a 7-Eleven and purchased some hot dogs and videotaped it as part of, like, you know, extra content for his show. And while he was walking out, you know, he said, can't get any better than this. You know, you've really made it in life when you can afford the 7-Eleven hot dogs. Slattered it up with mayonnaise and walked out of frame. That was the video. Vivek quoted that video and said, thank you. Come again. Don't forget your Slurpee. Wow. So I said, <laughs> wow, my first Vivek Ramaswamy repost has nothing to do with politics and everything to do with the kind of humor we have on Steak for Breakfast. Yeah, I like it. You might want to write down a poo clip for the end of the show. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Vivek. Please not be offering my God a peanut. Hey, listen, you had every opportunity to cruise through the show. We did say court cases when we kicked off this segment, and unfortunately, Donald Trump put a lot of miles on Trump Force One. He actually flew on a couple of other apparatus this week. 
uh, in between New York and New Hampshire. Unfortunately, he was stuck in court dealing with some of this bullshit lawfare that's being waged against him. And after the second day that he was in Manhattan, he came out and gave a full statement to the press regarding what is going on in court. Uh, This was the day before his mother-in-law's funeral. So this is on Wednesday afternoon. Wanted to play it for you guys in case you missed it. Let's check it out. Well, thank you very much. So uh, as you know, uh, the First Lady's mother passed away. The funeral is tomorrow, and we would have assumed that for a trial like this, it's not an emergency in terms of timing. Uh, the judge would have been very nice and would have let me go because I want to be at every trial day uh, because I saw what happened in the first one where I was asked not to go by the lawyers very much. They said it, it's demeaning. There was no evidence. There was no anything. And so I didn't go. And I understood exactly what he meant when he said it was demeaning. There was no reason to go, and you shouldn't go. And I decided on this one, same judge, same judge. He's a radical Trump hater. And uh, I said, uh, I will go to all days. So what happened very terribly is we asked to just delay the trial for one day so I could go to the funeral tomorrow, and then we could start Friday or Monday or any time they want. And he said, absolutely not. The trial will go on just as it is. You can go to the funeral or you can go to the trial, but you can't do both. I thought it was terrible. I thought it was terrible. Yeah, it's a dick So move. he would rather have me miss the funeral or go to the funeral, miss the trial. And that's a nasty man. He's a nasty judge. He's a Trump-hating guy. And uh, it's obvious to everybody in the court. It's a disgrace, frankly, what's happening. It's a disgrace. Happens to be a Clinton appointment, but I'm sure that has nothing to do with it. So that's as to that uh, second order of business. I'm leaving right now for New Hampshire. We're making a big speech up in New Hampshire. We just got a poll in that uh, shows me leading by a lot. And I think we'll do there, maybe similar to what we did in Iowa. Uh, The difference is that in New Hampshire, they allow Democrats to vote for whatever reason in the Republican primary. And they also let uh, independents vote in the Republican primary. So that is a big difference. But we have... uh, a nice journey. It's going to take place in about five minutes when I'm finished with you people. <laughs> I'll be leaving for New Hampshire, in other words, right after this. And then as to the trial today, it was a very interesting day. Uh, as you probably noticed, it's a big story that the uh, witness today, the a person I never knew, I never had anything to do with, it's a totally rigged deal. This whole thing is rigged. Election interference. But this is a person I have no idea until this happened, obviously. I have no idea who she was, and nor could I care less. It's a rigged deal. It's a made-up, fabricated story. Well, they found out today that she got rid of a lot of evidence, as you probably noticed. She got rid of massive amounts of evidence. And in addition to that, she had a rifle or a gun, uh, because she said she bought gun bullets or rifle bullets. And it was the opposite, I guess, of her gun. And uh, was it licensed? No, it wasn't licensed. So I guess she's got a difficult problem. That's going to be her problem. But she has a gun or a, or a rifle. She didn't really explain which. She might have both because she said she bought rifle bullets. So uh, And it's totally unlicensed. <laughs> so I assume that's a problem. But the judge was protecting her. He didn't want to go there. We don't want to go there. We don't want to. If that were me, it would be a different story. But with her... Uh, the judge is totally protective of them, and frankly, we'll leave it at there. Yeah, it is gross how, 
like, oh, this person's actually committing a legitimate crime, and we're just going to ignore it. We've got some breaking news on the show right now. Meanwhile, Trump farts the wrong way, and CNN's all up on it. Sniffing. They sure are. Before we get to the breaking news, whatever Noah's doing on the other side of the podcasting table. (laughs) Guys, wherever you're listening to the show today, up until this point at least, I hope you're enjoying it. Make sure you're downloading it and following us across every podcasting platform. That's Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. Find the show, hit the plus button, hit the follow button. Make sure it's downloading to your electronic device. Also, social media is Twitter, Getter, Truth Social, and Instagram. Find the Steak for Breakfast accounts. Follow them. Hit the notification bell. Never miss out on anything we've got going on here on the show, from content to our hot topics, in addition to our extensive guest list, which is going to get even extensive-er in a little bit when we sit down with Marilyn Congressman Rep. Andy Harris for the first time. So very excited to be talking with him. He is a retired doctor. There are some big DEI issues happening over at John Hopkins. And uh, he's standing up for it. Apparently, if you're white, Christian, or have a last name that's like Smith or Johnson, they don't want you giving medical care to anybody that needs it anymore. Johnson? Mm Mm-hmm. Johnson. I like it. Um, in addition to that, we're going to get caught up on, um, obviously, the continuing resolution passed last night. We're going to touch on that a bit with him, and then we're going to be heading down to our second edition of the show a little bit later today, and we're going to be talking with Florida Representative Corey Mills to get all of the information and get you caught up to speed on that. Back to the breaking news. South Carolina Senator Tim Scott sees the writing on the wall, not as much as explaining his girlfriend, or lack thereof, but in the presidential aspect. He is planning to in the very immediate future, endorse Donald Trump for president. So that's another person that suspended their campaign, got out of the race. South Carolina isn't still for two primaries almost a month away. But in addition to Lindsey Graham, we'll now have Tim Scott as the senators from the Palmetto State now endorsing the 45th president. Speaking of people that aren't endorsing him, Bird Brain. Yeah. I got to get her new nickname up there because her, her birth name is Nimrata. But Donald Trump calls her Nimbra. I don't know why. I mean, well, her name has Nimrod in it. Yeah. I think well, that'd be two plus two. Well, that's what he also alluded to in one of his speaking events this weekend. He says he calls her a bird brain because Nimrata is the female application of Nimrod. <laughs> Yeah, he real listen. These nicknames don't just come it's out like of thin air. It's like a bird genus. Genus. Yeah. Yes. So he he is that deep, and you, and you have to understand it. But you know, he talked about Nikki Haley and and lack thereof. What's going on in New Hampshire? As we've already outlined and explained to you on the show. Let's hear Donald Trump talk on it. The people behind Nikki Haley are pro amnesty. They're pro China. They're pro open borders. You know, she wants open borders. Don't kid yourself. And they're Democrats. pro war. And they're pro-Biden because those are the people that are sending them. Biden people are coming in. They have Biden stuff, and they're coming in to register and to, to vote in your primary. It is crazy. you got to get that changed. We're going to take it. If we weren't popular, how do you win where everybody's allowed basically to come and vote? The enemy, which let's say in this case, until it's over, because you know the whole country is going to unify by its success. When we're successful, the country is going to be unified. We are going to unify our country through success. But right now, we don't want Democrats voting in the Republican primary, Sununu. 
Sununu ought to do that instead of walking around with Nikki Haley and her polls go down every day. Sununu don't the want to The radical left Democrats are supporting Nikki Haley because they know she's much easier to beat than Trump. And you know what? If she weren't, they wouldn't be doing it. But, you know, they're great disinformation people. Misinformation, disinformation. You know, they're almost the same, but not quite. But let's not go into definitions right now. They're very close, actually. A lot of people <laughs> still don't understand it. But I give them credit for both. But they are, they are literally, what they're doing is they're, they will say, we want to run against Trump so bad. In the meantime, they're sending all their people to vote for Nikki Haley. The reason they do that is they want to run against Nikki Haley. Usually when they say something, it's the opposite, okay? And they're very good at it, too. They're good at cheating in elections and disinformation. Mm. Some hot topics there. Yeah. Truth Social post from last night. This comes from the official account of Donald Trump. Governor Chris Sununu, now the failing governor of New Hampshire, why I'm beating his endorsed candidate, Nimbra, by big numbers, and DeSanctimonious by even big, bigger numbers, should spend more time keeping Democrats from voting in the Republican primary. How ridiculous is that? Anyway, it doesn't matter because Nimbra doesn't have what it takes. She's weak on China, Russia, borders, and crime, but she's never saw a war she didn't like. <laughs> <laughs> I defeated ISIS, rebuilt our military, and brought our soldiers back home. I hope Sununu's endorsement of Nimbra has more strength than Kim Reynolds' Iowa endorsement of DeSanctis. And how did that work out? By the way, make America great again. Yes. <laughs> he he tweets like he talks. Yeah. It's the funniest thing. Anyways, oh, man, can't beat it. J.D. Vance weighed in on... on Bird brain warmonger Nimbra. Her entire platform is to make the average American lose their standard of living, lose their economic value, so we can fund more adventurism overseas. That's a losing proposition electorally, and I would never vote for it. Good to see the Iowa Senator standing with the president who endorsed him and got him into that Senate seat. No, I said Donald Trump made a, a made a what would you call it a Freudian slip? Maybe we're going to see it after New Hampshire, but he teased it ahead of Nevada. Let's check this one out. Uh, Ron DeSanctimonious just dropped out of the race, and he's the only one that tried to challenge us. And he just dropped out of the race. He just announced it. They're dropping out. See what he did there? Mm. Well, wait a minute. You might have missed. <laughs> this can only happen. I meant when I say he dropped out of the race, he dropped out of the race in Nevada. Ah. <laughs> No, I was wondering, and I, I sort of checked myself. I, I, I thought the applause was a little bit, <laughs> a little bit strong. No, no, he checked out. That's very funny. I'm glad I caught it, because they're going. We have breaking news. Ron DeSantis. Maybe I should have left it that way. What the hell? It's going to happen anyway. <laughs> Can't beat that. Those poll numbers that he was talking about, Noah, they come out recently. We've got some big ones there. You know, there was some, I mean, Nikki Haley relies on a poll from three months ago that showed she would beat Joe Biden in a head-to-head. It's no longer relevant. However, the numbers that have come out over the last 24 hours, New Hampshire, GOP primary, this is from Interactive Polls, and I believe this is Harvard-Harris. Trump, 52%, a 17-point advantage over Nikki Haley at 35, DeSantis, 6. Ron DeSantis is currently at 6% in New Hampshire, and 9% in Nevada. They've suspended all of their campaign. And I don't know if you heard this one, Noah. They've dissolved Never Back Down. <laughs> they dissolved it? Yeah. It's over. So they officially backed down. 
undoubtedly. Mm. There's also reports coming out today on something that Laura Loomer reported on six months ago. Ready for this one? Exclusive. Nikki Haley did cheat on her husband, had affairs with comms consultant and a married South Carolina lobbyist before she became governor, sworn affidavits, and new witnesses claim. I'm going to read the fine print here. Nikki Haley, 51, denied claims that she cheated on her husband, Michael, before, he became, before she became the South Carolina governor in 2010, saying that she was at the time 100% faithful. Hmm. Now, multiple GOP insiders tell the DailyMail.com that they were immediately aware of Haley's infidelities at the time, saying it was totally out in the open. Communication consultant Will Folks, 49, and lobbyist Larry Merchant, 61. Damn, girl. Signed affidavits in 2010 alleging that they had sexual relationships with Haley. How do you feel about that? Gross. Well, thank God I'm a uh, Sopranos enjoyer, because believe it or not, I've, I've always got the clips lined up when, when we have breaking news like this. Ready for it? Mm-hmm. Hey, she was a hua. <laughs> and that's just the way it is. Donald Trump now has a 91% chance of winning the new hampshire primary we're gonna bang out one more of these clips 45 up in new hampshire talking about what four years under a donald trump presidency will look like let's hear it you're gonna have the four greatest years in the history of our country and remember this we had the greatest economy we had we had a tremendous success think of all the things we did the best border you never would have had Ukraine being attacked by Russia. It wouldn't have happened. I get along with Putin. I get along with Zelensky. What a, what a horrible thing. And when you see the real number of lives, it's, it's staggering. And all of those cities are wiped out. I mean, they're, they're obliterated. You know, when they say we're fighting, the cities are obliterated. It's what a sad thing. You never would have had the attack on Israel. Would have never, ever happened. True story. You remember Iran was broke. Under me. They were broke. They didn't have the money to do that. They're the funders of terror. And they didn't have the money. China is now looking to go into Taiwan. And I think they're just, you know, just looking. But they're a little concerned because they hear I'm coming down the road and they would have never done it. They would have never done it. You know, the only thing we have a stock market that's going. And the reason the stock market's okay is because they all think I'm going to win because the polls have us so far ahead. And if I don't win, I really believe you're going to have the you're going to have a Great Depression, just like 1929, because that's where it's headed. All the information you need is available at nh.donaldjtrump.com. And make sure if you're in the New Hampshire area or plan on going to any of the events this weekend or helping out in the primary, if you're in state, check that out. Guys, we're getting ready to jump in with Jeffrey Clark. He was the former two-time assistant U.S. Attorney General. He's now one of the senior fellows and heads the Center for Renewing America. But before we do that, let's check in with one of our partners. I think it's time we had a conversation about a good night's sleep. Pillow King of Minnesota, Mike Lindell, and the apparatus known as the MyPillow family has been cranking out savings down at MyPillow for over 20 years. And for the first time in 20 years, they've changed the long-standing MyPillow and now have the MyPillow version 2.0. You enter promo code STAKE at checkout, you're going to get buy one, get one free. In addition to that, they've got great savings on all things like MyPillow dog beds, the Air Lindell version 1 and 2, My Slippers, and Giza Dream Everything. If you're more of a morning person, they've launched My Coffee. It's available in the bean, the bag, and the pod. When you need a promo code STAKE here, you're going to get 25% off your order or 50% off when you make it a monthly subscription. MyPillow.com forward slash STAKE for anything sleep related. If you want the coffee, MyStore.com forward slash STAKE, or you can always talk to a qualified pillow representative, 
All right, joining us next on the show today, this big Friday edition of the Steak for Breakfast podcast. He's a congressman that represents Maryland One. Joining us for the first time, Andy Harris, welcome to the show. Good to be with you. Well, Congressman, I wanted to talk to you about a couple of things going on up on Capitol Hill, but uh, there's a Breitbart article that I, I recently read, and it, it seems to be one of the ongoing problems, not only in the country right now, but especially within the Biden administration. Uh, we saw that the diversity chief there, and I'm air quoting, has labeled all whites, males, Christians, and others into, a, again, air quoting, privileged class. Um, you've called for that diversity chief to be fired. You're a physician yourself, and, and we'd like to get some commentary on that because that's something that we definitely think needs some addressing in our country right now. Yeah, so that problem's going on in two separate circumstances. One, the one you mentioned is happening at Johns Hopkins uh, Medicine, which is the, you know, the hospital and the uh, medical school combination where, where they get hundreds of millions of dollars of research uh, money uh, from the federal government. Their chief diversity officer somehow thinks that, uh, you know, if you're Christian, you're privileged somehow. Uh, I don't know. I mean, you know, it sounds like religious bigotry to me, but somehow they make it sound mainstream. It isn't. Uh, and I think it's dangerous. Uh, the other incidents is happening over at the FDA, where the person who's about their chief scientist, uh, Dr. Bumpus, who's about to be promoted to the number two position at FDA, uh, while she was at Hopkins, actually, coincidentally, mm. uh, made a big point of saying that when they had applications, she was the chair of a department, uh, the, the diversity statement uh, had was heavily weighted. Um, not the, she didn't say scientific achievement. She didn't say, you know, uh, success at solving problems or, or uh, scientific or medical issues. She said the diversity statements were heavily weighted. Uh, I'm not sure that's the kind of the person we want in the number two role at the FDA. And of course, if uh, uh, Mr. Trump becomes the president uh, in November, uh, the outgoing the commissioner might uh, not be there. And in which case she would actually be in the number one role as the acting commissioner for a while. Uh, that just that that just should never happen. Uh, so the bottom line is that we're seeing this throughout the healthcare field where people are substituting diversity for science, um, and it's just it, it it doesn't bode well for healthcare in this country. Congressman, when you look at some of the things that you just outlined, like some of the chief science officers, not only at major universities but within the federal government, who are going to be responsible for getting behind regulations and legislation that are going to dictate the way medicine is done within the United States, and you have the people that are going through these resumes, not looking at experience, not looking about what educational background you have, not looking at research that you've done, but they're looking at a picture to see what color is your skin. You're, they're looking to see where maybe you might have announced your religion or or lack thereof over the course of your career. They're looking to see what your last name looks like and how does that look better than, let's just say, if your last name is like a Smith or something like that. And what the actual results would be trickling down to the people who are actually trying to receive care to get better, to stay healthy, or maybe even keep their lives. It, it seems like we've gone off the rails here. And I know you mentioned President Trump. I'd like to get your commentary on that a little bit later. But sticking within this thread, what are we going to do to push back on this? Well, we have to push back on it right now. Uh, you know, the scenario came up. Uh, you're using artificial intelligence more in the healthcare field, uh, making decisions, uh, you know, healthcare decisions. Um, let's pretend you go to an institution uh, where the chief diversity officer said, okay, here are those privileged classes. And let's say you're going for treatment in an emergency room. And uh, there's a little checklist you have to fill when you sign in, and you have to check off the privilege boxes. And uh, the AI is going to triage you. Now, how do we know that that artificial intelligence wasn't programmed uh, to say, well, you know, you're privileged uh, because of some of the boxes you checked off. You're going to go a little further down the line in the triage because we have to take care of, uh, of people who aren't privileged first. 
You would never know it was happening. Uh, you'd be checking off the box, you know, as they say now, you'd be checking off the box. It says male or female. Now it says, of course, male, female or other. But, you know, you'd be innocently saying, oh, it's mailbox. Uh, well, how do you know that the AI isn't saying, oh, you're a, you're a male, you're privileged. Uh, we got to take other people ahead of you. That's the kind of danger you have when this is permeating the healthcare industry and apparently over at FDA as well. Now, when you look at some of the ways the Biden administration has cleared hurdles in regards to, you know, just kind of ignoring a confirmation process, let's just say in the, in the situation involving the, the transportation secretary out from here in California, we all know what she did uh, to ruin the transportation industry over here. She knows that she can't pass Senate confirmation either as Joe Biden. So she's just been temporarily forever appointed to being the head of that agency. Do you think that they are looking for ways knowing that you know, people who are going to try and, and run like the FDA or, or maybe get within HHS are going to, you know, not have a good job or, or a good time passing through Senate confirmation that they're going to just kind of appoint these people and think that there's going to be, you know, no kind of oversight provided on them. Yeah, that's that's the exact danger. That's what's going to happen over at the FDA. Uh, the bottom line is that uh, Congress is not going to have a say in this. Uh, you're going to elevate uh, a person who, again, who thinks that diversity statements are more important than uh, than science or medicine uh, in in, a, in an application process. Uh, you know, what kind of FDA are we going to have? You know, FDA already has a credibility problem. People Correct. already think that they're making political decisions over at the FDA instead of medical decisions. And now you're elevating, you know, th this person with clearly a bad, uh, I think, a bad record on uh, diversity. Uh, you're going to elevate that to the number two position, potentially functioning in the number one position if, if for some reason uh, Dr. Califf leaves. Yeah, that's exactly the problem we have now. Well, I tell you what, when uh, you know, when you look at the awareness you're bringing to this in the House of Representatives, combined to what's already going on up in the Senate, you've got Senator Paul Vance and, and Senator Cruz also looking to heavily scrutinize this as well. I think you guys are setting up the uh, at least the awareness for the American people on what's going on. Uh, you know, we're going to have to see uh, the Biden administration apparently can't fire anybody, and the, and the people that they bring in to you know pad their their bench over there seems to get worse and worse. We've seen reports out of the FAA recently where they're going to be heavily using uh, DEI to you know, put pilots in cockpits. And that seems very troublesome. It's not about experience. It's not about background. It's not about resume. It's not about if you were in the service and, and, and have, you know, that component coming to your, to your job application. It's just based on what you look like or what you stand for, which is not the way you could proficiently run the country. Uh, that's absolutely right. I mean, look, the beauty of America is we're, we are supposed to be colorblind. Have we always been in the past? No, but that that's the goal we should have. And, and any attempt to check off, uh, to check off boxes, uh, you know, is 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 just a bad idea, and and I guess you can be fired in this, in this administration, but only if you steal luggage at airports, other people's luggage at airports. That's <laughs> apparently the only people who get fired. I like it, Congressman. I want to segue a little bit. There's a couple things going up on on Capitol Hill today. You are a member of the Freedom Caucus. There is news breaking across the wire uh, yesterday that said the House Freedom Caucus is requesting the Rules Committee to amend the continuing resolution that's going to fund the government through the first week of March with HR two. We know when it comes to budget negotiations, they haven't gone so well for Speaker Johnson to this point. In addition to that, the border security still remains at zero or less than that uh, in regards to the job that Alejandro Mayorkas is not doing at the Department of Homeland Security. How are you guys looking to tackle these issues in the next week or two? You know, you're going to have a vote on the continuing resolution soon, but it seems like, especially after Chuck Schumer's commentary yesterday, that that he came out and said, listen, we'd love to talk about all the other things, but the first thing we're talking about and the only thing we care about right now is funding for Ukraine. 
Uh, yeah, look, I mean, the fact of the matter is uh, that, that uh, we do have a government, a partial government shutdown date of, uh, of Friday the 19th. And uh, I think there are a lot of people who just want to, you know, pass a continuing resolution. Let's go home. I mean, the House is not in next week. The Senate will be in. Uh, there are a group of us who say, no, the time is, is right now to fight on the border. Uh, and it's especially true because on Wednesday, uh, 14 Democrats joined all the Republicans in condemning the president's border policy in a House resolution. Now, it doesn't have the weight of law, but it strongly condemned the president's policies and called on the president to stop the flow across the border. That means this is now a bipartisan issue. We should take advantage of it. Uh, we should, uh, again, we should have a House position. We think we think the House has a position. It's called H.R. 2. And we think that uh, that that could be sent over to the Senate attached to something. Uh, we think that's the right thing to do at this point. People will say, well, you know, back in May, you know, uh, no Democrat voted for it. Well, let me tell you something. This is a different country uh, today than it was last May. First of all, it's an election year. I'll bet you most of those 14 Democrats who voted with the Republicans yesterday have districts where the where the border is an issue in those districts. And uh, I think the time is uh, for the House to take a very strong position, much stronger than the than the Senate negotiated deal, which I think, uh, from what we're hearing, would still allow 5,000 people a day to cross our border. I mean, Correct. That's, that's ridiculous. No, you make a good point there. And, and, and you know, you're our fourth member of Congress to join us this week. It's always kind of busy here on Steak for Breakfast. Two members of the Freedom Caucus, two members who are definitely America First voters as well. But when you talk about, you know, using this as a bipartisan issue now, it's kind of funny how things change once you hit the ground running in what would be an election season, especially one with presidential nominees eventually going to be at the ticket. Um, last thing I want to touch with you on, you mentioned President Trump, the possibility of Agenda 47, what things could look like next year. You saw his big win in Iowa, and, and he's getting ready to to ramp up to, uh, you know, continue his record into New Hampshire this week. We, we have a lot of the president's surrogates and former administration officials here on the show. We recently sat down with Tom Homan and uh, talking about border security and Dr. Ben Carson last week. But as you see this kind of playing out for Donald Trump right now, he looks to seem uh, to have re-harnessed a lot of that magic that he had and, and appear stronger than even in 2015 right now. How are you seeing it? Uh, look, I totally agree with you. I think this primary is over. I think that uh, President Trump is going to be the nominee. Uh, he won in uh, 2016 running on the border. And I think he's going to win in 2024 by a larger margin than 2016 by running on the border. Uh, because this administration is feckless with regards to the border, uh, with, you know, 10 million people crossing the border, uh, you know, in this administration, millions uh, released into the interior with these, you know, uh, uh, orders to appear, but they're never really going to they're never going to really show up anywhere. Uh, I think the, the president is primed to uh, make do very well in the rest of the primaries and then to go on to win in November. Uh, we kind of are seeing it shaping up the same way as well. We're going to have comprehensive coverage of the New Hampshire primary next week, and we're all going to be live linking everything you've got going on in our show description today. We're going to start with your congressional website, Congressman, but anybody that wants to check you out, follow you on social media. Where can they find you? Uh, Harris.house.gov uh, or Facebook or or on X. I mean, we have we have all those outlets, but if they go, they, they find everything on harris.house.gov. And we'll be live linking that as well. This is the congressman who's representing Maryland 1, but as you've heard over the course of the last few minutes, he's definitely fighting for all the American people. Representative Andy Harris, thanks for joining us today. Have a great weekend. Thank you. We need a paradigm shift. We must rebuild trust, and that's actually the theme of our meeting. We have to rebuild trust Trust in our future, trust in our capacity to overcome challenges, and most importantly, trust in each other. Trust is not just a feeling. 
Trust is a commitment to action, to belief, to hope. To achieve this, we must rediscover and embrace the narrative that has driven humanity since its inception. Acting as trustees for a better future. This narrative is about, isn't about short-term gains or individual successes. It is about stewardship, about preserving and enhancing our world for current and future generations. It is about understanding that our actions today have far-reaching reaching consequences tomorrow. The concept of trust and trusteeship compels us to think beyond borders and beyond our lifetimes. It encourages collaboration over co competition, sustainability over expediency, and empathy over uh, apathy. As trustees of the future, we are responsible for advancing a world which is richer in possibilities, more equitable in opportunities, and more secure in its foundations. Well, Dr. Doom hosted the annual <laughs> plotting our... It's ironic he's talking about trust because he doesn't sound trustworthy. Mm. Plotting our demise over at Davos for the World Economic Forum's annual summit. That was Klaus Schwab, the... I don't know what you want to call him, Grand Chancellor of the event. What do you think? Yeah, it's frightening. Why are they talking about being apologetic? Yeah, I don't know. I, I just get a bad feeling about everything that that organization wants to do. Well, you know, after COVID and all the stuff that's starting to come out, you know, we're, we we may or may not ever see... You know, accountability for people like you know, Peter Daszak and Anthony Fauci and Alex Azar and Mike Pence, Dr. Burks, and all those other scumbags who, you know, tried to railroad Donald Trump at the same time they were ruining your kids' lives and literally killing people with lockdowns and vaccines and things of that nature. But And regimens that were harmful to people. It wasn't a one-size-fits-all job it was depending on what kind of condition you were in what your health was but they were just doing this cut and paste like this is the this is the regimen that we have to do this is the routine and it was killing people no it certainly was and and you know when, when you talk about um you know how they rolled out COVID, if anybody is uh has any misconceptions on whether or not that was a dry run for what a perfect world looks like for those people uh that's exactly what it was and you really can't take into consideration the fact that they're not going to try and attempt to do something like that again. So much so that we saw a war criminal and <laughs> doctor of the who, not mm. Dr. Who, and that would be former General Tedros. I have it written down here phonetically spelled out. Gabraesis. How do you like that one? Gabraesis? Mm -hmm. mm. Jesus. Talking about. Disease X's. Let's hear it. If I may, although COVID came immediately, we were preparing for COVID-like uh, disease. 
you, you may even call COVID as the first disease X. Mm. And it may happen again. Oh, 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 well, mm. yes. Of course, there are some people who say, oh, this may create panic. No. It's better actually to anticipate something that may happen because it has <coughs> happened in our history many times. Because and we're doing it, it. Yep. in the wings. We shouldn't face things unprepared. We can prepare for some unknown things as well because there are basic things you can, you can do. Then that takes me to your uh, question, of course. Then we should prepare means it could be an early warning system uh, that could be installed. And then preparedness planning. For instance, with COVID, we have seen it in preparedness pl planning when our hospitals were stretched beyond their capacity, but both in terms of space and also workforce. How can you have a surge when anything comes, you can expand quickly so uh, you can manage your patients? We lost many people because we couldn't manage them. They could have been saved, but there was no space. There was no enough oxygen. So how can you have a system that can expand when the need comes? This, whatever disease, you, you, you should prepare for it. You don't need to know that disease. There are common factors. In terms of supply chain, for instance, the same. So whether it's in health systems or even the private sector, by the way, in research and development, for instance, you can prepare for it. Research and development Actually, of the Actually, started mm -hmm. with this disease X issue with a research and development blueprint. It's a blueprint. And research and development should be at the center also to test drugs, to test uh, other, 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 other tools. Oof. You know, that was basically two minutes of him trying to cover for dance around the fact that that's what they're doing. Well, well, not only that, but it's also been revealed that they had planned for a global pandemic. We're running dry run operations, yep. uh, you know, logistically and setting up the framework. Event, event 201 or whatever yeah. the hell it was. Correct. Right before COVID happened. And, and you know, when the newer information has come out recently talking about the potential for you know, the next disease X to hit the market. I mean, there was even a lot of development and framework set up for the vaccines before there was any Donald Trump or any Operation Warp Speed or anything like that. So weird how it was supposed to be, uh, you know, directly related to treating this COVID that came out. And then we know that COVID came from China. It's been all but confirmed, right? A lab in China. A I lab believe. in China, a lab leak. It's It seems like the most viable issue that, that could have, could have caused it and now what's china doing they're using humanized mice to infect and test a covid strain or something similar that has way more lethality for humans it's like oh the first strain was wasn't good enough but this one will be the humdinger yeah it's uh you know one of those things where Man, when you look at the groups that were here, and it was so weird, you know, we're going to touch on it in just a bit. This guy, well, Jeffrey Clark, the former two-time defending U.S. Attorney General, uh, is a big fan of this kind of content and, and definitely tracks this stuff because, you know, during his time in the Justice Department, plus at places like the Center for Renewing America, where he's currently a senior fellow, you know, they're working on potential legislation and trying to get ahead of writing policies that are going to correspond to agenda 47. Donald Trump wins the white house next year. And when they kind of see the globalist elites saying that they're there 
and for whoever listening, I saw your comment, and I'm going to continue to say it, so don't worry about it. What, they're there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Saying it, it's the new apparatus. It's not, and it never will be. But we love you. Well, I do have another bell. Yes, you do, and it's very large. <laughs> Man. But, but you know, this, this these are kind of the alarms that start going off for people that are more of populists, that like capitalism and democratic republics, voting systems, not social credit. Speaking of which, Ukrainian dictator, Vladimir mm. Zelensky, he Go was there. Tracksuit. Wearing a tracksuit, reminding the world. You know, you think maybe now that he's like not the golden child who everybody's just gushing money over, mm-hmm. maybe throw a suit on? Well, you know, he, he just wanted to remind everybody at the World Economic Forum that when he's done playing with our toys. He in, needs their toys? In his backyard, he's going to need everybody's toys. To rebuild this country, let's hear it. If anyone thinks this is only about us, this is only about Ukraine, they are fundamentally mistaken. Oh. Possible directions and even timeline of a new Russian aggression beyond Ukraine become more and more obvious. Let me ask very honestly, which European nation today can provide a combat ready army on par with ours holding back russia wait what and how many men and women said it are your nation ready to send to defend another state another another nation and if one must fight against putin together in the years ahead hey leave one isn't out of it this. better to put an end to him and his war strategy now while our brave men and women right. are already doing it. They only have one man? One, or they man? are the world's chance. They are. Oh, In any oh, dire oh, confrontation, oh. there's always a point where a catastrophe can be stopped. Ukraine is that opportunity. And we all in the free world must be unwavering in our pursuit of our desires, actions, and goals. Just as Putin is frank about his doom-laden ambitions, <laughs> we, we all Ukrainians... Ukrainians? That's, that's enough of that. <laughs> Unicron from Transformers, the movie? Uh, the, are they, is he really trying to say that the Ukrainian military... Ready to go. Stopping Putin. And there's no other force that's... Even in Europe, that's comparable. Yeah. And then calling for the ones that might be comparable to uh, go and assassinate Putin for him. You know... That is a bold strategy, Cotton. Our boy Cookie Monster floated in some back room meetings that they had over at Davos. Uh, the possibility of having a peace summit in Switzerland. A little bit later this year. Where Vladimir Putin would have to give back all four provinces he's annexed, and then... Oh, back to the 2014-2015 borders? Yes, and then... It's not going to happen. As a bonus, give back Crimea, which historically has always been Russian. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I do want to remind everybody, too, you know, we always talk about these awful foreign aid packages and standalone checks that Joe Biden writes for these guys. Again, this is nothing new. All you have to do is go on your internet browser. We have been funding the government of Ukraine by a lot since 1991 Yeah, when they broke away from the Soviet Union. 
you know, like those annual inclusions in our defense bill that gives like $7 billion to Israel and, and some of our other geopolitical allies. We, we help them out with money here and there or, or defense. We've been doing the same stuff for Ukraine since the 90s. So And they've been laundering it and using it to buy yachts the entire time. Yep, and villas and southern Italy and things of that nature. But we got to play it because this stuff is going to affect American policy moving forward, whether you're talking about the potential of another global pandemic or lack thereof, or having to do with this bullshit on Ukraine, which it's so weird. You know, we'll hear from Bibi Netanyahu in, in our next edition of the show, but, you know, it seems like Joe Biden doesn't want to hear anything about one of our longest standing allies in ever, Israel, at least since World War II, and then wants everything to do with Ukraine and taking care of that corrupt black hole shithole as well. Guys, wherever you're listening to the podcast today, happy Friday. Hope you're enjoying it. Just make sure you're following us across one of the major podcasting platforms. That's Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or iHeartRadio. Find our show, hit the plus button, hit the follow button. When they ask you if you want to download the show, make sure it is to your electronic device. Do it. You can also find us on social media, Twitter, Getter, True Social, and Instagram. Find our accounts, follow them, hit the notification bell. Also, give us a little bump. Share the podcast. Do you see any of our posts with links to the show or links to our link tree out on social media? Give it a share. Tell your friends. Take their phone. Subscribe to the show. Give us a five-star rating. Maybe even write a review. We deeply appreciate it. We'll get to a couple of the good clips. They had to invite him because he won such a big and pivotal election. But you know he wasn't going to go there kissing anyone's ass, much like Donald Trump didn't in 2017. Argentinian president, first libertarian president elected in the history of the globe, mm. Javier Millet. Yeah, it was weird to see him at uh, Davos, but at the same time, know your enemy? Well, it's the truth. Remember when Daddy Trump went? Yeah. Everybody on social media was going nuts. Oh, he's taking pictures with Klaus Schwab. Oh, they're best buds. And then Donald Trump goes up there and gives and one of And just the routes them. Finally written speeches in the history of presidential speeches. Javier Malay dropped like a 24-minute banger. It's all through interpreter because he doesn't speak English. I strongly suggest it's all over Twitter. It's all over YouTube. It's Just type, good. type in his name and check it out. We're going to play an excerpt from it right here. Let's listen. Good afternoon. Thank you very much. Today, I'm here to tell you that the Western world is in danger. And it is endangered because those who are supposed to have to defend the values of the West are co-opted by a vision of the world that inexorably leads to socialism and thereby to poverty. Unfortunately, in recent decades, motivated by some well-meaning individuals willing to help others, and others motivated by the wish to belong to a privileged caste, the main leaders of the Western world have abandoned the model of freedom for different versions of what we call collectivism. We're here to tell you that collectivist experiments are never the solution to the problems that afflict the citizens of the world. Rather, they are the root cause. Do believe me, no one better place than us Argentines to testify to these two points. You know, he was on fire. And, and when you look at the, the some of the verbiage he used, I know you might be hearing the word like collectivism for the first time. That's roughly translated. And then when you look at it and apply it to what he's talking about, he's talking about communism. Yeah. Marxism is if you take a communist and put a gun in their hands. And yeah. then complete tyranny is exactly what we saw during COVID, which, listen, people with guns in their hands told you where you could go, what you could do, what you could not do, even more importantly. 
arrested you for being out in nature, away from people, just because we told you you couldn't. People didn't see their babies born. People didn't bury their own relatives. People like people died alone and afraid. Yeah, your kids will never be able to get back the educational and social experiences they missed. They may never be able to recover, and it's all because financially. <laughs> we already did that one too, <laughs> but but you know the alarms that Javier Malay is is sounding warns everybody when you look at the preamble of some of the stuff that they're already talking about being apologetic, tricking everybody to like them again, talking about the potentiality of things like disease X's and what we do if another one happens. And then, remember, the greatest war in the history of the galaxy is still going on, fund it, and then pay to fix everything that I blew up myself. So you kind of got to look at it from an angle is we have to have a punch back. And that's why we invited Jeffrey Clark on today because he's got some really good insight into it. In our last audio clip, before we jump into him and wrap up our first edition of the show, one of his great friends, the president of the Heritage Foundation, Kevin Roberts, made the trip out to Davos. Again, get to know your enemy, make yourself present, let them know that there's a pushback. They don't really do roundtables. I don't know what you want to call it. Oh, a panel where they put a whole bunch of like Oval Office chairs up on a stage and, and kind of like throw questions around. Well, some of the questions came to him on, on what's going on with the narrative here at Davos, and here's his pushback that you would or anyone would describe Davos as protecting liberal democracy. It's equally, Standing up for it. <clears throat> it's, it's, it's equally laughable to use the word dictatorship at Davos and, and aim that at President Trump. In fact, I think that's absurd. But I'm going to step aside from that constructive criticism and instead answer your question. Yep. And, and I'm going to be substantive here. President Trump, if he's the next president, for that matter, I think whoever the next conservative president is going to take on the power of the elites, which I mentioned earlier, but there, the, the thing that I want to drive home here, the very reason that I'm here at Davos, is to explain to many people in this room and who are watching, with all due respect, nothing personal, but that you're part of the problem. Political elites tell the average people on three or four or five issues that the reality is X, when in fact reality is Y. Yep. Take immigration. Elites tell us that open borders and even illegal immigration are okay. The average person tells us in the United States that both rob them of the American way of life. They're right. President Trump will take that on on behalf of the average American. Elites also tell us that public safety isn't a problem in big American cities. Just travel to New York or Washington or Dallas, Texas. The average person will tell you that the lack of public safety damages not just the American way of life, but their life. President Trump will take that on. Thirdly, I guess the favorite at the World Economic Forum, is climate change. Ugh. Elites tell us that we, we have this existential crisis with so-called climate change, so much so that climate alarmism is probably the greatest cause for mental health crisis in the world. The solutions, the average person know, ba based on climate change, are far worse and more harmful and cost more human lives, especially in Europe during the time that you need heating, than do the problem and the problems themselves. Fourth, two more here, Robin. Okay. The fourth, China. The number one adversary, not just to the United States, but to free people on planet Earth. Not only do we at, at Davos not say that, we give the Chinese Communist Party a platform. Yep. Count on President Trump ending that nonsense. And fifth, as we sit here, another supranational organization, the World Health Organization, is discussing 
foisting gender ideology upon the global south. These are practices that are under review, if not being rejected, by countries in Northern Europe. The new president, especially if it's President Trump, will, as you like to say, trust the science. He will understand the basic biological reality of manhood and womanhood. And do you know why? Not because of retribution, not because he's a dictator, but because he has the power of the American people behind him. And it's connected to Senator Portman's excellent point that in addition to needing a vigorous executive, we look forward to having the popular will inform both the House and Senate in 2025 to pass laws on all of those issues and many others. Ultimately, Robin, I think President Trump, if in fact he wins a second term, is going to be inspired by the wise words of Javier Millet, who said that he was in power not to guide sheep, but to awaken lions. That's what the average American and the average free person on planet Earth wants out of leaders. I like it. Yeah. I can get behind that. And he's not wrong. You know, it's, it's one of those things. Just look at the other side of the coin right now. Joe Biden was asked yesterday outside of the White House, are you guys bombing the Houthis? Yes. Do you feel like that strategy is working? No. Are you going to keep doing it? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'll be pleased to announce today on our Friday edition of the show, Breaking Across the Wire, we've just started a fresh round of sorties mm. on some hooties. So that's that's kind of where, you know, Joe Biden is. We're going to touch on him a little bit in our second edition of the show. He he did the whole uh, Jekyll and Hyde at one of his speaking events, and it, it's it's almost getting sad right mm. now to kind of watch his him devolve up on stage in real time. But here's here's what you got to think. Davos ain't going anywhere, and the World Economic Forum is always going to have their meet up there every year. These people are backed by trillions of dollars. They are interwoven into every corporation, media outlet, governments, militaries. They know how we breathe. They know how we act. They know how we think. And we're like when Donald Trump comes back in, he's going to have to shake up the system and, and make us all choose to adapt again. We're going to touch on this a little bit more with Jeffrey Clark in just a second. Before we do that, guys, let's check in with one of our partners. It's an unpleasant truth that 42 percent of Americans are obese and 79 percent of Americans are overweight. That's practically one in every two Americans living day to day with every minute counting down to the end of an unhealthy existence. It's time to change that and make Americans healthy again. You've probably heard about weight loss injections that can help you get back into that right mindset and help curb those cravings so you can focus on what's really important. New Hope Wellness has changed thousands of lives, and maybe it can change yours too. They are American family-owned and operated with the goal of saving lives. With convenient telehealth options, you can speak to a licensed professional from the comfort of your own home, and all products are delivered discreetly to your front door. Visit newhopewellness.com forward slash state and start your journey to a better you. That's newhopewellness.com forward slash state to get your free consultation and 100 bucks off your first order. 1-800-527-2150. Make America healthy again. Joining us next on the show today, this big Friday edition of the Steak Breakfast Podcast, he's the two-time defending assistant U.S. Attorney General. He's also a senior fellow over at the Center for Renewing America, one of our favorite America First institutions. Mr. Jeff Clark, welcome back to the show. Well, I'm glad to be here and glad to be here for the first time in the new year. Yes, Happy New Year to you as well, sir. Well, we just finished talking about the, I guess, what would you call it, summit, meeting, Plotting to destroy us all happening up at Davos at the World Economic <laughs> Forum this week. Oh, the right. supervillain convention. Yeah, we played a couple bangers from Klaus Schwab, Dr. Tedros, but also ones from 
you know, President Malay and uh, the president of the Heritage Foundation. So it seems like there's two roads saving Western civilization and not so much we could look down right now. I know you track this stuff, probably have some great commentary to share with our listenership on it. We'd like to ask you how you see, uh, not talking about the interpretive dance of the masked Elizabeth Warren, but some of the other stuff that's going on that might have uh, raised some <laughs> eyebrows over there at the center. <laughs> well, look, uh, you know, first comment is by virtue of uh, letting uh, the heritage president go and speak, right? And and certain other things they're doing, you can tell that they are big time scared about the return of Donald Trump to office. And they're trying to cozy up. They're trying to pretend that they're open-minded. You know, they're looking for uh, the conservative perspective, et cetera. Uh, and, you know, I think it's a, it's a sham and it's just an attempt essentially to try to, uh, you know, fool those who they can fool. And, uh, you know, create some connections that they can try to apply later, uh, you know, and then so we have a range of things, right? We have the ordinary plutocrats who attend and they just lap up what uh, Klaus Schwab and, and others uh, say and their kind of latest academicians who come to speak to them and make them feel uh, even more important. Then we have you know, the the uh, Republicans who want to try to curry favor with them who go like, uh, you know, uh, Governor Kemp. Uh, and then we have, you know, someone like a Kevin Roberts who goes and, and gives them, you know, a dose of truth, a dose of American constitutionalism and a, and a dose of, uh, you know, uh, nationalism and, and how, uh, you know, the, the counter view of the world that we wish there was an equivalent of the World Economic Forum on the conservative side. So it's a range of things. And, uh, you know, these I've seen these clips of Klaus Schwab. Uh, you know, I saw one where he's, he looked like he was with Sergey Brin and he was talking about, and apologies if, you know, I, you had played that already, but, you know, they're talking about, hey, you know, we don't really need a democracy anymore and voting and elections because, you know, AI will just predict who's going to win, uh, you know, the elections. And, uh, you know, I just it's astonishing things when we hear this constant narrative in the United States from the left wing media like MSNBC and uh, The Washington Post and CNN and New York Times, et cetera, uh, all telling us that democracy is on the line in the 2024 election. Meanwhile, you know, the, their uh, intellectual uh, think tankers and uh, you know, their money people are are partying away in Davos talking about how AI is going to make it so we don't even need elections. It's just it's a study in contrasts. And, you know, they can hold these two uh, ideas in their mind at the same time. And they're both insane and they don't recognize the internal contradictions. Now, when you see, you know, the way I see the the sides kind of matching up here, especially with the impending return of Donald Trump, which I do agree with you. I think the world has kind of been put on notice. Probably some eyebrows were raised with the Iowa caucus. I mean, everybody knows it is what it is in the big scheme of things. But, you know, you've already starting to see Nikki Haley not surging in New Hampshire and Donald Trump rising up in the polls there. And then once you get past New Hampshire, where they kind of had that weird, you know, there's going to be 4,000-ish Democrats and independents voting, it's a downhill slope through Nevada, South Carolina, and heading straight into Super Tuesday where Donald Trump should lock up at least delegate-wise the nomination uh, for the Republican Party. You know, it's populism, nationalism, capitalism, national sovereignty and independence versus social credit scores, vaccines for everything under the sun, unmitigated migration, and 
like you said, the loss of any kind of system, everything from if your vote counts to do you have to rent the furniture in your home now just to have it. So it's two sides to a very broad coin. But when you look at it, it seems like the where maybe heading into COVID, they were picking up steam. They really saw what life was like under that kind of a system during COVID. But I mean, there was a lot of uh, side commentary coming out of there. I don't know if you agree where they almost have to be apologetic right now, kind of reintroduce themselves to the public around the world to regain the trust, even though it was, you know, held over the guise of lies with the citizens of the planet right now. Yeah, I think that's right. And look, what is it that enables the the lies? One of the elements you didn't toss out is censorship, right? And so they're they're trying, you know, with all this misinformation, disinformation, nonsense, uh, you know, whether it's run by a government group or whether it's run by a loosely affiliated uh, private group with the government group, it's a public-private partnership. You know, we saw that obviously with what happened in the hashtag Twitter files. You know, they're really trying to shut down, uh, you know, Musk, who, you know, can be an ambiguous figure in different regards, right? Like, you know, he's pushing for the AI, uh, even at the same time, he says that he's in a very different place than, you know, a Sergey Brin who talks about speciesists. But, you know, they have to get control of the information flow. And look, we wouldn't be talking on the Steak for Breakfast podcast if we didn't have the First Amendment and if, you know, the the leftists who are trying to dismantle it uh, and have made, you know, great inroads were successful. It would be the Steak for Breakfast uh, for breakfast, for their breakfast, for yeah. Klaus Schwab's breakfast. Um, and, you know, that's clearly what they have uh, on the table that they want to dine on in the future. But I think, you know, just like you said, I think they're realizing that uh, maybe, you know, if when Trump returns, they're going to have to pause their plans to to some extent. And they'll have to come up with some other scheme to launch against uh, you know, Trump, like the Russia, Russia, Russia uh, hoax, the Ukrainian impeachment call hoax, et cetera. They'll, they'll come up with something new. We know it'll just take uh, them a little bit of time, but I'm sure the plans are on the drawing board. How important is it with the potential for Donald Trump to be president in 2025, the election victory for Javier Malay down in Argentina, uh, a big-time French election coming up. What's going on over the last couple of years, although we haven't seen her be as strong as we would have hoped to be, but for Maloney in, in Italy and the rise of these populist presidents compared to where we are right now, because, you know, Donald Trump has the ability to work alongside, I don't think necessarily with, but alongside places like Russia. That throws a wrench into the gears of of organizations like the World Economic Forum. Same thing with China. And, and and when you look at some of the other proxies around them, of course, I'm talking about North Korea and Iran, just having them like militarily kowtow. And at the same time, Donald Trump was laying out incentives for them to rejoin the world space. It kind of takes away for, oh, no, we all have to get in line. We all have to listen to what we have to say. And, and it goes towards like, wow, we could be an actual country that's welcomed into the global community, albeit slowly. I don't th- know if it could happen overnight, but it, it, we were definitely making some inroads there on some of those long-standing geopolitical non-allies of the United States during the Trump administration, that has to raise a couple fears with the World Economic Forum. And you would think that they would get a little bit more desperate as we get closer to Election Day now. Yeah, well, look, I, I think that, uh, you know, the, the Malay election is very important. I think that people are demonstrating all over the world, right, that they want freedom, they want their national identity. And you know, look, it was it, this has been happening for a while, but 
Um, I think it was kind of redirected and and perverted. So go back to the Bush 43 years where, you know, we were told that, uh, look, everyone yearns for freedom. It's universal. And so that's why we need to have a preventive, uh, you know, prophylactic war in Iraq, right? And those two things don't follow from each other. So it's it's true, I think, that there is, uh, you know, human nature and there's natural law and that people yearn to want to be free and they also yearn to want to support their own nation. But that doesn't mean you can go and conquer them and you can spend American blood and treasure uh, you know, to do for them what they can't do for themselves. You can aid them, but I, I don't think it's really your job to do it. And then it's certainly not your job to write a constitution for them, uh, you know, which uh, the the Bush uh, folks became uh, involved in. We see how that's all kind of, you know, collapsed back into its its kind of native uh, conditions. But what you want to see are these spontaneous movements of the people themselves rising up and saying enough's enough. We don't want to be ruled by these uh, global elites anymore. You know, and if you're uh, in south of our border, right, you don't want to be in debt slavery anymore to uh, the IMF and the World uh, Bank and you know the private banks that are affiliated with them that just keep rolling over debt. Um, you know, it's just another uh, similar kind of you know banking trick like how we get fiat currency and all the inflation that's been foisted on us. You know, people are waking up to that. So that's really good to see. And, you know, President Trump's, uh, you know, uh, meteoric re-rise, as it were, I don't really think he ever kind of left the stage, but, you know, the left was pretending for a while that he had, that he was toast and all this lawfare against him hasn't worked. Right. The, the um, you know, the the fact that, that he is, uh, you know, being seen as rising again, it's all consistent with this trend. And I think that's what you want to see. I don't I don't think that there's any institution uh, that's been, you know, created really that other than the kind of nation state, which, you know, helps to preserve uh, liberty and helps to pre- preserve culture and the ways of, of people. And all these globalism movements are designed to kind of create homogenous gray people who, you know, the only real freedom they have in their lives is to engage in deviant sexual behavior, it seems to me. Um, And I don't think most people really want that. I think they want ordinary family life. They want their food. They want their language. uh, And they want their neighbors. And they want, you know, a feeling of affinity with that. So it's good to see that coming back on the world stage. No, it certainly is. And, uh, you know, bringing things back over here to the United States and talking about something that we've seen, you know, kind of shake out over the last 24 hours you know jeff we, we got some real problems in the in the u.s house of representatives with the slim majority republicans have right now i want to touch on this a little bit you get some commentary i mean you've got so many years of experience working in and around capitol hill up in washington dc i think it's a big advantage for our listenership to hear what you have to say you know presidents in congress have always gone head to head especially when it's you know one side holds the oval office and the other side holds the house of representatives same goes with the senate But Donald Trump kind of rewrote the playbook on how a president is going to deal with Congress. We have pulled the curtain back on the system, I think, more than we've ever seen. You know, there's always been accusations of this, not want to work in a bipartisan fashion. And, you know, these people are only out looking for themselves and all the pork they're going to get in bills. But we're seeing it stripped down to the bare bones now to where, like, there's leaks coming out of closed door conference. There's people walking out and saying, like, leadership said this. I don't agree with it. I mean, you, you never used to have that. I think it's all part of the process and part of the growing pains. I think we saw that in the vote yesterday for the new continuing resolution as well. It's going to take a bunch more people in this upcoming election cycle 
from different districts all over the country who have that mentality to go up to Washington next year and kind of urge the squish voters who just always vote with the party and, and always get scared with, you know, these budget items. Like I saw Dan Crenshaw an hour before the vote on TV yesterday. Well, if some of my Republican counterparts don't want to vote for the continuing resolution, I guess they don't like to fund the military. And, and it's one of those things where we know that's not the case. It, it is, but it isn't. It's not the there there. It's not how things get changed. It's not how things get fixed. What do you see when you watch the way this is playing out and how potentially dangerous could it be if they stay on this current trajectory heading into next year with the possibility of losing the House, make Donald Trump's first two years in office very difficult? So, look, you know, one of the things I'm expert in uh, is environmental law. And if you have to listen all the time to the people on the left screaming about sustainability and in reality, you know, the nature system is very sustainable. It's always changing, but uh, there are always, you know, natural forces that come back into equilibriums or new equilibriums. They always try to talk about us running out of natural resources, but in reality, uh, you know, the market will find ways to move to different natural resources or when the economic incentives go up, people will find new deposits of the natural resources, which is why the Club of Rome was perennially wrong about we're going to run out of oil and other minerals, et cetera, et cetera. But contrast that with the budget situation. The budget situation is not a nature system. It's a human system. And it is not sustainable. Like the term actually applies to what's going on with these uh, annual deficits in the in the trillion uh, dollar mark, and then you know the the national debt in the the mega trillion uh, dollar mark. This can't go on forever. Um, you know the folks in the rest of the world, especially if they want to develop, uh, they're not going to want to sustain our lifestyles through this massive borrowing and overspending forever. It will collapse at some point. It's just a question of when. And, you know, I'm sure that, uh, you know, 1929, when the stock market crashed, people the day before were, you know, checking their uh, their bank accounts and, and their last stock receipts and thinking the party was always going to continue. But it, it doesn't. It's not sustainable. So it's very con- concerning. And I think in terms of the folks, a lot of the folks who go to Congress, it's they're like two-faced, right? They're like the yeah. Roman god Janus. Um, when they face the voters with that face, it you know they they talk in in rhetoric about how they're going to control the government, but you know what they're actually doing when they're in D.C. is with their backward pointing face, where they're you know cutting deals and they're not changing anything because they are a kind of form of our own plutocrats, right? As we see from their insider trading deals and the fact that you know their salaries never exceed you know two hundred thousand dollars a year, but they're they become fabulously wealthy uh, over spans in office, like like Dan Crenshaw is actually a big stock trader, Correct. and like uh, Nancy Pelosi, right? Exactly. Um, so you know they 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 are they are disgusting, and I think more and more people are waking up to it, right? When the when the country is going well. And when uh, you know you can actually afford to buy things without inflation, and uh, when the country is not in the kind of cultural uh, going down the toilet and circling it mode, you know people have a lot of you know patience, and they just sort of they turn to their own lives and their own communities and their own families especially, and they don't focus on what's going on in Washington D.C. But you know when you see how badly things have gotten, uh, you know both culturally, economically, spiritually. People are turning back and they're realizing, like, how did these people even get there? They're not representing us. And I think in 2024, my hope is they get a wake-up call and they actually see, 
here are the people we selected who fight for us, and here are the people who just you know uh, give us lip service, and we got to throw more of the lip service people out and bring in more of the doers. Yeah, no, that's that's exactly right, and that's that's kind of the way we directed on the show. You know, we're not going to give. Speaker Johnson trophies and bouquets here. You know, he, he, I don't know if he's the man for the job, but he's the man in the moment. Uh, he's getting pulled in a bunch of different directions. Luckily, we have enough America First congressmen and women, many who have endorsed and supported Donald Trump through the entirety of his political career, who come on and, and just break it down. Like, this is what's going on. This is what we need to do. This is what we're voting on. And this is what's not getting done. So we kind of just lay it out there for our listenership. I mean, we get hit for it sometimes, but it's like at the end of the day, what do you want? We're bringing the actual receipts from the people who are in the halls of Congress doing the vote. So, you know, if they're going to talk out one side of their mouth on our show and vote in another way, that's obvious. Receipt. There's been a couple of congressmen who don't come back to the show anymore who wind up doing the exact same things. His last appearance on here, I asked him, so you voted for this continuing resolution. Can you tell our listenership why? It doesn't seem like it benefits anything that you guys are looking to get done in the House. And, and he answered it honestly, but then he never came back to the show. So that's just kind of the way it is. And uh <laughs> You know, where we're going to leave it at today, obviously, Jeff, we're going to be live link in the center in the show description today. We're also going to, you know, be always looking to support you. Your Give, Send, Go is going to be live linked as well to help you out with the Legal Defense Fund. And uh, if there's any place else we can check you out on social media, where can that be? Sure. Well, thanks. Always good to be here. Uh, I am at uh, Jeff Clark US on X and Getter and at Real Jeff Clark on Truth Social and uh, the center, which is always working on good stuff and does not talk out of both sides of its mouth, is at uh, americarenewing.com. Absolutely. He straight shot it today on Steak for Breakfast. This is the former double assistant U.S. Attorney General. He's also a senior fellow at the Center for Renewing America. Mr. Jeff Clark, thanks for coming on the show. Have a fantastic weekend. You too. Thanks again. Guys, we're coming back with another all-new episode of the Steak for Breakfast podcast. So sit back, relax, and allow us to continue to change the way you consume your news.